scripture memory verse tonight, Revelation 3.22. He who has an ear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation 3.22. Anybody else? Revelation 3.22. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation 3.22. Good job. It's not real hard, is it? Unless you've memorized other verses. Anybody else? Revelation 3.22. Revelation 3.22. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation 3.22. Good job. Anybody else? Revelation 3.22. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation 3.22. Good job. So, essentially, we just memorized seven verses in the Bible. Right? Because this same verse is in Revelation 2.7, Revelation 2.11, Revelation 2.17, Revelation 2.29, and then it's in 3.6, 3.13, and 3.22. So that's seven verses. And then if you, wish, if you was to uh, memorize, as I had memorized, and we were saying it, I was saying it, there's, a, there's the verse that's in uh, the parable of the sower, that says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And it's not plural, it's just to the church, which are the called out ones. So there is some difference, but I kept re I kept saying it, and then Michael said something. I'm like, wait a minute. I know this is a verse, and then he found it later that in, in the Gospels, Jesus says before, let him who has an ear to hear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now, the church, of course, and church is, uh, is the same word. It's the ecclesia. It's the called out ones. Uh, but in after reasoning and praying, I think that in the Gospels, Jesus was talking about he who has an ear to hear. In other words, a desire to hear. And because... Uh, some didn't and some didn't care and he did not want to harm them with grace he began to speak in parables which he spoke in a parable his para is alongside and he spoke uh, with with these uh, uh i guess stories uh of things alongside where he you would use examples and he would throw them alongside and then if you wanted you had an ear to hear and you wanted to know then you would come and you would search deeper or you would ask and then he would reveal it. So then when we get to Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation, of course, um, very interesting. John, um, the apostle, John who wrote the book of John and he wrote 1st, 2nd and 3rd John and then he wrote um, Revelation. He was cast to the Isle of Patmos because they couldn't kill him. Uh, now, Patmos means my killing. Uh, 
which is very interesting. That it means my killing. They tried to kill John, is what history tells us. Uh, I wasn't there. I do not know, but they say that he uh, uh, was thrown off the pinnacle and didn't die. He was boiled in oil and didn't die. And so they cast him to the Isle of Patmos. And then he's on the Lord's day in the spirit. He has a vision and the Lord um, tells him to write these letters to the churches, the seven churches of Asia. You can look there if you would with me. It's in chapter one. Uh, I believe it begins in nine. Very interesting. And so I, I don't really want to go over every single one of these uh, because we would be here for a lot longer than our little Bible study. Uh, I would encourage you to read the seven letters. Look what he says. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. That's hoopamony. Um, uh, patience is. It's an endurance. Was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God. Notice why he's on the island. Notice why he's being punished. It was a place they would banish criminals to. He's not alone. He's not the only one on Patmos. There's other criminals there. And he's there uh, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ because they couldn't shut him up. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Up to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And really, seven churches uh, that were literally churches of the day, right? And we can, we can see this. And we know that he penned the letters to them, what he had seen. He wrote it down. And so we have seven churches. And all but one of those churches, there's seven churches, seven letters, seven warnings, seven rebukes. No, just six. Six rebukes that were given because the church of Philadelphia does not, it's the faithful church. It does not get rebuked. And we'll see it in a minute. I want to look at it. Um, and and uh, it means brotherly love. We call Philadelphia today city of brotherly love. But really, the city part is not there. They're just taking that title. And I never knew that until I started looking at this because I always say that Philadelphia means city of brotherly love. But it's really uh, just brotherly love when you look it up. But there is, associated with it, really seven rewards. Each one, if they will hear his voice and obey his voice and overcome, get the victory through it, and I, I know that we need to cry out to God for it, then there's always this uh, 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 promise that goes with it when he speaks to his church. Of course, John 10, 27, my sheep, hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So he says seven times, he who has an ear, hear what the Spirit would say to the churches. Now, I believe that this council, uh, with each one of them, 
of course, is seven specific churches. I believe it's seven uh, um, church attitudes or spiritual conditions that can happen in the church. I believe it's seven church ages that can happen. I believe there's a lot more going on there. I believe that potentially even a person in his walk with the Lord Jesus Christ could experience all seven of the conditions and listen to God's voice and receive counsel and receive instruction and receive correction and learn to be sanctified and cleansed by what God says to us. And I think that there's no reason not to believe that everything he promises to those who hear his voice and obey would be promises that were given to us at the end of each of the letters. I don't think there's any reason why not to think that. And I also believe personally that we are in the last of the seven churches, which is the lukewarm or apostate church, which is Laodicea. I believe that's where we're at today in the church age and getting ready to close it out. And then when you would, uh, if you would move to the next verse, obviously the chapter and verse is not there. When you are reading the book of Revelation in a manuscript or a scroll, but after 322, the very next verse, transition, after these stains, metatata, he says, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven for one and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying come up here and I will show you the things which must take place after this and then immediately John is in the throne room and I believe that's the rapture of the church I believe John represents the rapture of the church right there uh, and again, it's the trumpet, just like we just read in verse or chapter one, the trumpet sounds. And I believe that's God. I believe that's Christ's voice uh, is that he speaks um, and calls us home and we meet him in the air. So uh, at the same time, I want you guys, I'm not going to go through, but I want to look at the church of Philadelphia in chapter three. Because I thought it was really interesting, and you might also, that um, the church that's called the Faithful Church, it's 3-7, if you will, and then we'll move on and we'll finish our thought with um, our verse, because our verse is probably more important. I'm not trying to give you a complete understanding of the book of Revelation, which means uncovering. Uh, so he's uncovering uh, truths for us. But in 3.7 it says, And to the angel, or the messenger of the church of Philadelphia, brotherly love, write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true. Now in every one of the letters he also takes on other names. Uh, Jesus does and who he says. He, he who has the key of David... He who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Notice verse 8. That's a new beginning. God knows our works. I know your works. And then he says this. See, I have set before you an open door. And no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name, my character, my nature, my will. 
my authority. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Now listen, notice that it is a loving church, brotherly love. Notice it is a church that is not rebuked. It's a faithful church. It doesn't, he doesn't say anything against it. And he says there's an open door. And then he says he will keep them from the hour because they're being faithful. And listen, listen, if you're being faithful with God, don't go, look at me, I'm being faithful. Because faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. The only way to be faithful with God is the Holy Spirit allows you and teaches you and directs you as you follow and hear the voice of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So only that God can put faithfulness in us and in the church or in the people, which all of us become, we're the believer priest, we're the church, we're the living stones, we're the ones he's working on, and when his sheep hear his voice, they allow him to work on them, to wash and to cleanse and to continue to mold them and shape them into his image and new creations uh, that look like Christ. But he says that he will keep them from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world. Why? To test the whole world who dwell on the earth. And then he says in 11, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, Nakea, gets the victory. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And it's always plural in the New Testament seven times. Very important that we see that. Do you have an ear? Everybody has an ear, don't they? We have two of them. But is he talking about me? What about somebody who has two ears and they're deaf? And he's speaking to them. So uh, I believe it's spiritual hearing. I believe it's spiritual ears. And spiritual ears have the connotation of hearing with the intent to obey. We're not coming to God and just going, man, that was really good. I'm going to go live the way I've always lived. Now listen, it's just it, there's no way of changing without the Holy Spirit washing and cleansing you. But James warns us in 122 that, that, that not to be hearers only, but be doers and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Many people will hear the Word of God. They will hear what God is saying. And we all, I believe, can do this. We can hear what God is saying. We can go, ah, is that really God? Because I don't feel like doing that. And we can not be doers. We don't get up and perform it. We don't get up and say, Lord, I have no ability to perform it. I don't have no way of doing it.
But we all can be into that category and we deceive ourselves because there is no deception once your eyes are open, your ears are open. I believe that God has opened our eyes to see what he's doing. He's opened our ears to hear what he is saying. And now we have to choose, do we want to draw near? Many people will not read their Bible because they don't want to hear what God is saying. They just simply don't want to hear what he's doing. They don't want to have to change what they're doing. And this is a bad place to be. We want to read. We want to understand. We want to grow. We want to go. And really, the faithful church is where we want to live. We want to be in this category. The faithful church is going to be delivered from the tribulation, the trial which shall come upon the whole world to test them. And then, of course, we come to, and I'm going to read, but I want to talk about and not stay here at this text of the lukewarm church because I believe when you look at this, we are in the final age, seven being the number of perfection, and we're in the seventh age of the church. Even though these were all seven individual churches in Asia at that time uh, that Paul probably planted, he says this to the um, final church age, verse 14, 314, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. Now, Laodicea means ruled by the people. Now, listen, the entire thing of salvation is to be delivered back into the house of God, delivered back under the authority of God, to be delivered back to hear the voice of God so that we would obey and walk with him daily and follow him and not be led by the other voice. Because really, in life, there's only, listen, listen, there's only two roads, there's only two voices, there's two fathers, and I say that lightly because the Father in heaven, right, one is God, the other father is a father of lies, he's a father of confusion, one died to save us from hell in the person of his son, the other one wants us to die to take us to hell, right? I mean, this is really uh, uh, what's going on, and there's only two voices. And in the garden, I believe that Eve listened to the other voice. She didn't want to hear what the Spirit had to say to the church. The only two that there was at that time. There was a bride and there was a husband. But it was still daily walk with Christ in the garden and Christ the Lord is the spirit he is God and there was this daily walk and you know I wrote this down on my notes they were told one thing not to do they were allowed to do everything else they can eat from every tree in the garden except for the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right and the other voice told him that God was holding out on him. But I wrote this in my notes. Um, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was sin, right? But why? It was because God's voice had told them not to. And they disobeyed. Are you listening to me? And God reveals everything in his time. 
I'm not telling you that they would ever have ate from that tree. But when you wait on God and you hear his voice, he reveals and he works on you and washes and cleanses you and teaches you in his time. Everything in the garden was perfect. Everything in the garden he was walking. And the, the, the point is, is to walk with him and learn from him and to be like him and to be trained and instructed and to learn from him and not from another voice, especially when there's only one other voice that wants to take you to hell. And so without that other voice, there would never have been the free will knowledge or free will choice that you and I can make. You and I still today have a choice which voice to listen to. Listen, there can be some deception if you think the voice is wrong. What? Who is that? Oh, that's you. Listen, most people listen to their own voice. Not the devil's voice. It's not like the devil going, ah! walking around and you're going, man, I like what the devil's saying. That's not what we do, but we listen to our own voice in our head, our own intellect, our own reasoning, and we leave God out instead of adding God's voice to our reasoning. And we like it because there's a way that seems right in a man's heart, but in its way is death. But we like what we like and we want what we want. And when we leave out the word of God and the spirit of God and fellowship with God, we continue to go in our way and we, and we don't even realize that we're deceiving ourselves and that we're listening to our own voice. Listen, when you're listening to your own voice, this is why it's so important to have fellowship, so important to have counseling, so important to meet with God in prayer, so important to be in the word of God, because if you're listening to your own voice, listen, it's been trained by the world. You've been raised without the Spirit of God, without the voice of God, in the world that's without God, that hates God. Listen, and so what's going on with that? It's, what's wrong with the world? The world's pretty good. They've been doing pretty good in America. The whole world lies underneath the sway of wickedness. So there's another voice leading the world. And God allows it, and he gives you a choice. Do you want to listen to that voice or do you want to get into the pages of Scripture? Do you want to have a daily walk? Do you want to draw near to God? And He will draw near to you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to have a relationship. He wants you to hear His voice. He wants you to be in the Word and to articulate what is your voice. And you go, no, 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 that's me because I know what I am. If you go look in Galatians 5, there's a clear list of the deeds of the flesh are evident. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And you see that. And looking at love, God loves. And it's really very important that we understand that. And then the devil takes that and corrupts that. And he changes what love is. And he changes how love acts. And he changes the character, the nature, and the will, and the authority of God. So that you think you're loving when you're really destroying somebody. Because you're allowing them to do what they're doing. And it doesn't line up with the true love of God. The word of God. And the spirit of God who gives you wisdom when you're talking with people about God. So important to know that. That's why they, they are not the enemy. The, the, the devil is the enemy. People are not our enemy. People have been deceived. Some people go in their deception. They know they're deceived, and they might want to argue with you. You don't have to argue with them. Listen to me. There's a lot of deception going on, but the person who is deceived is not the enemy. 
They are deceiving and, and they are deceived and deceiving because they think they are okay because they're not listening to what the Spirit would say to the churches. So very important. All the way through the church age, that's always been what God has said to do. So there's a lot of things going on where we can still love them, but we might have to have boundaries. But we love them truly the way that God said to love them. And sometimes that's the same way God loves us when he reproves us. He says, I've given you good doctrine. And then he reproves us because we're not following his good doctrine. And then he corrects us. And then he gives us more instruction. And I'm following 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 as I do this. And the whole time he's not mad at us. Even if there's chastisement, he's not mad. He is correcting us and perfecting us to complete us, to get us ready for every good work that we're supposed to be doing. That's what the living word of God does. When you, and in fact, the word is logos. When you see the word, it's logos. It's a systematic discourse, and it includes the thoughts of what the words are meaning because the spirit behind it of what God says so that somebody doesn't confuse it. It always lines up with his name, his character, nature, his authority, his will. But when you see the word... Now you have a definite article, and it's pointing to the person of Jesus Christ. You know, John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word come to earth and took flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now you have a definite article, and that's the living Word of God that God sent to heal the land. To bring salvation that if we will look and follow his example and hear his voice that he will lead us out of darkness and he will tell us what truth is so that we don't follow the lie but guess what the lie is easier and it's funner but God wants to lead us out God wants to save us God doesn't want to leave us in our place God is here he's for us he's not against us he's not trying to destroy us he's given everybody every chance every possible uh, thing to, to draw back his banished ones to him, and he wants us to, to be saved. He wants us to come to repentance. It's the will of God that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. So when we actually go to hell, any person goes to hell, it'll be their own free will choice. Why would we ever want to do that? Why would we ever want to do that? It's a self-will denial of God. It's a self-will forced thing. Now, see, be real careful with this because we're not talking about falling short and sinning and messing up and, and, and stumbling. We're talking about clearly denying Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Listen, because I think, I believe that, I believe that the enemy wants to shame us and he wants to keep us down so we won't be in the race and we won't be out witnessing we won't be telling others but God's not here to shame us he came to take away our disgrace he came to take away our shame he came and took away our guilt he took everything on the cross when he died for us so that we could be perfectly right with God righteous holy true in position with God and now we can walk with God because of who Jesus is. 
Now we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need because of who Jesus is. Listen to me. All of these days, and he's the one that's speaking to us right now. That, that's all I'm saying. Is I can talk all day long, but everything that I'm going to say is about the word of God because he who has an ear, hear what the Spirit says to the church. But it's going to be truth. It's going to be knowable. It's going to be repeatable. It's going to stand on its own. I don't have to do a whole series of sermons to make these truths stand. They all stand by themselves because he is truth and he's here and he wants us just to hear. But when we hear, we need to by faith obey. Think about Peter. He's in the boat, all the boys. This, this vision comes in the, or this uh, apparition comes in the water. They're like, ah! And he says, do not be afraid, it's I. And Peter says, if it's you, bid me to come to you. <coughs> and he says, come. He heard his voice. He obeyed. He put faith with what he heard. See, that's what happened with the Old Testament. You can read about it in Hebrews. They did not mix faith with the truth they heard and go out, step out, obey. Peter did. Think about that long and hard. You ever try to walk on water? Think about it. Everything Peter had ever learned, he was a fisherman. He knew water. He knew water better than you and I ever know water. How many times has he fallen out of the boat? How many times has he almost drowned? How many times has he caught fish? How many times has he been in the boat? His whole life. I think we sell it way too short. That with everything about his mind, his body, his soul, everything about everything in Peter's life, he knew there was no possibility to step out of that boat and step on the water. Think about that long and hard. But he's seen his Lord and Savior doing it. He's seen the one that he believed was the Messiah doing it. And then he mixed faith with what he said to him, come. And he stepped out of the boat. And he's walking on water. Something that he knows you can't do. And maybe he started thinking that. He's looking around. He's seeing the, he's seeing the storm. He's seeing the battle. And he gets his eyes off of Jesus. But his heart was still there because he said, Lord, save me. And the Lord grabbed him, put him back in the boat. Right? That quick. He cried out. He knew where to go for help. Listen, don't get yourself in such an uproar when you get your eyes off of Jesus and you've got your eyes on the storm and you forget that you're walking by faith. Cry out to Jesus. Let him keep you in the boat. He's the keeping grace. He's the one that saved you. He's the one that keeps you. He's the one that tests you. He's the one that's trying you. He's the one that's counseling you. He's the one that came to save you. He's the one we're following. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. But yet we go, ah, it's no use. I can't even get this Jesus thing. I can't even get this. Yes, you can. You have a Bible. Start reading it. Start reading it. There's a famine for the word of God because there's a hunger for sin and lust and desire of the world. That brings a famine in our hearts because we're chasing everything else. Make yourself read the word of God, if nothing else. And while you're making yourself read it, ask God to give you a desire to enjoy it, to understand it, to comprehend it, to share it, to memorize it. I love that we've been memorizing scripture 
for over 25 years. And I always do it on Friday night. And I love it that people are doing it. And so many times I love the people that come in and they go, I can't do this. I can't memorize scripture. I don't know how to do this. But when you put your heart to it, God is always faithful. But you've got to turn your heart toward home. You don't want to, if you go, oh, i got to be perfect. Now you're in trouble. Just turn your heart toward home. Think about Moses. His name means one called out. He's, he's getting ready to go into the wilderness. He's going, Pharaoh, let my people go. Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. Do another one of them miracles there, Aaron. And uh, think about it. If he would have thought long and hard about stepping out of a boat, he probably wouldn't have done it. Because what did he have to do? He had to go to the wilderness with two and a half million people and make sure they had food every day, three meals a day. Or what are they going to do? They're going to grumble. They're going to complain. They're going to throw a fit. And every time they grumbled and complained, they threw a fit. What did Moses and Aaron do? They put their face on the ground. And God said, just strike the rock. Water will come out of it. God said, okay, tomorrow there'll be bread. But you've got to follow my instruction. You only gather as much as you need for that day. On the sixth day, gather enough for two days. If you gather more than I'm telling you to gather, it will mold in your tent. And everything that God said, the ones that obeyed and listened to the instruction and tried to do it according to what he said, they found that it was always true. They found that God always was a provider. They found that God was always there. Even when they disobeyed him and the snakes started to bite him in the wilderness, and then Moses cried out to God, and God said, make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole and hold it up in the air, and if they look to it, they won't die from the snake bite. He didn't take the snake bite away. He just said they won't die. See, so we're all born under a curse. God's not taking the curse away. He's giving you an opportunity to believe and walk in the newness of life. The curse is still on the whole world. It's got to be renewed. It's going to be renewed by fire. But we're choosing now to be renewed by the fire of everything before that time, before the new heaven and the new earth. But the whole earth even groans for redemption. The earth knows that there's a time of redemption, and yet God's people don't. God's people are caught up and entangled and pursuing everything else and thinking that it's going to bring them satisfaction. It only brings death. But my point being is that we get back in the race. You stay in the race. You don't have to think about tomorrow's bread. Think about today's bread. You don't have to think about next year's things. Think about today's. Stay faithful about today. Oh, I'll never be able to do this. No, you won't. God is doing it. It's him who is in you uh, to work in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. He's the one that's shaping you. He's the one that knows what your gifts are, what your talents are, what your abilities are, what he called you to be, which stone you are. He also knows what your sins are, what your bents are, how you're easily distracted by this or that or the other thing. He knows every one of those things, and he knows what the enemy's doing. He knows what tomorrow's bringing. He knows what's going on in every person's life at the same time, and he's not struggling with this. He's not struggling at all. And that's why we need to do the natural, and he'll do the supernatural. The natural is get in the word, prayer, and fellowship. 
Take communion. Remember your vows and remember who you took vows with. The creator of the universe. The author and the finisher of your faith. The one that promises he will get you across the finish line. That he's began a good work. He will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He's going to sanctify you. Body, soul, and spirit. He's promised. And he doesn't break his promises. He cannot even lie. Listen to me. Be reminded and hear what God has said to those who have come out, to the church, to the ecclesia. What has God said to them? If you draw near, just like with the parables, what did he do with the boys? What was he talking about? Are you guys still without understanding also? Uh-huh. You're talking about throwing some seed down. We've been playing guards for years, but we don't understand what you're talking about. So he went through it perfectly. What a great teacher. The Holy Spirit is still. The Lord is the Spirit. He's still here. He still wants to teach us. He still will train us. He still has every bit of truth. He is truth. And yet we go, I'm out here without a, a, a raft. I don't even have nothing. I'm stranded. I'm stuck. I don't have any help. And he's like, no. Are you trusting me and walking by faith? Or are you trying to do this still by yourself? And so... He's right there if you draw near. That's what they did. That's what parables were about. That's why the Bible's like this, but the world wants to translate it and make it easier to understand. And then what do you end up with? A form of godliness that denies the power thereof. It leaves God out. Because the Spirit is the one you're supposed to be having the relationship with. And how does your faith grow when you go, wow, Lord, did you just do that? Because I didn't do that. I didn't have any capacity to do that. I didn't even know that. Thanks for leading me into the water and letting me walk on it. He is the water. He is the water. We're standing on his shoulders. Believe me. The spirit of God is what builds the church and binds us together. And yet so many people are the lukewarm church. Even though God says... I will spew thee. I will vomit, which is a much worse word. I like it better. The King James says spew thee, but the new King James says vomit you out of my mouth. Wow. Think about that. Just, just a minute. When, when we're being lukewarm and we're no good for the world because it makes me, uh, you make me vomit. Your truth is terrible. But you're lukewarm to God and you're stranded and stuck in the middle. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. What about us being the faithful church? doesn't matter what your spouse is doing. It doesn't matter what the rest of the church is doing. It doesn't matter what the world is doing. It doesn't matter what the devil's doing. What matters is are we looking to be faithful to hear the voice of God and obey So he says this to the lukewarm church. My goodness, you ran out of time. Who said all that? Let's just read it again. I'm just going to read it quickly. You guys have been here. We've been here several times in the last uh, few months even. Um, and by the way, your, 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 uh, my brain went dead. Your memory verse. Is going to be Acts 2.42 this week, which is where I always go back to. 
It's how God began the church. It's how God birthed the church. It's how the early church was added to. And I'll give it to you again at the end. Uh, because this is what keeps us involved and keeps us growing and keeps us going and keeps us from chasing the world is being in the word, prayer, and fellowship and taking communion. It, it's, it's, you know, it's just what God does in our lives. So I want to memorize it again, and then I have another one for to hang out with for the rest of the new year. Let's move and read 314. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, the ruled by the people, listen, churches are being ruled by people, by flesh and blood, not by the spirit. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Are you letting him build in your life with his word, with what the spirit is doing? Don't, worry, don't say, well, you know, my church or my people or with this people and my family. Don't talk about that. You are to be the faithful one and be an example and be a witness. That's what Jesus was, wasn't he? Look what it says. These things says the amen. <laughs> Everything he says is amen, so be it. The faithful, you guys with me? Come on. The true witness, this is what we want to be like. We want to be a faithful and true witness He's the beginning. He's the one that God used to create all the beginning of creation. That's what that means there. I know your works. That right there is a startling, startling thing that's in your face every day. But guess what? We're not saved by our works. We're saved by Jesus' works on the cross. We're going to be judged and receive rewards according to our works. But we're not saved by works. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we would walk in them. That's how we would live, according to the works that he wants us to do now that we believed in him. I know your works. I know what you've been doing, what you're occupied with. That's ergon. That you are neither cold nor hot, I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, now this and this is the church age we're living in, and you have to you don't have to look far to see it. I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. Listen, 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 listen. We we've been talking about this. It's it's the season of Christmas. And the birth of Christ. And we were talking about this the other day. When people say, what do you want for Christmas? And we live in a nation that has been richly blessed by God. When I was growing up, there was plenty of stuff that I could tell you I needed. But now, if you have a job and you work, you're going to make more money the following year than you made the year before. Now, you might overspend even, but you really don't want for nothing. You have a lot of greeds and a lot of things that you see dangling out in front of your face and you go, man, I want that next new phone. Man, I want that new TV. Man, I want that new car. But you don't really have a need anymore because if you had it, you would just go out and get it because I work hard, I'm going to go get it. I want that. And you go buy it. But you need to be very careful with that. Because then you become this mentality that I'm rich, I become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And God says, 
and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. See, I've got all these things going on, and I'm paying the mortgage, but which, by the way, that was supposed to be one of my praise reports. My mortgage went down $40, and, and, and it's never done that before. Mine always seems to go like this, and for the first time in a long time, it went down $40 this year. I was like, that's strange. 40 is the number of judgment. That's strange. $40 in a year where everything's going up. I'm like, what is going on there, Lord? It was really strange because I was pretty mad last year when it went up 50. Just saying. Listen. Listen. Do you have need of Christ? Do you have need of knowing what God is saying to the church? Do you have need of hearing? What the Spirit is saying to the churches right now? Because everybody else is listening to the talking heads. They're watching the news. They're looking at the world news. And they're going, war upon war upon war. Oh, this is getting crazy. But what did God say was going to happen? What does God's Word tell us? Because I, I, I'm, not, I'm not being mean. Uh, I'm not being angry. I'm not being uh, rude to God's church. But I get, frankly, just really tired of people talking about all the world, the horizon and what's going on and what I'm doing and how I'm planning and, and this is this and this is that. And they don't know anything about the Word of God, but they say they're the church. And they're freaking out and they're sinking in the water. And they don't even notice, say, help me, Lord, in the midst of the storm. They don't even know where their help comes from. I am not being mean. Listen, let me say it in a grandpa voice. Do you have need of anything? Or has your inheritance been so great on this earth and now you don't even know that you're wretched, miserable, blind, and naked? Because we need to be clothed and we need to be further clothed. We need to be groaning for redemption. We need to be crying out to God. And if we're Christians, every day we should be growing, not every day dying. But if you're not in the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship, you will be dying every day, even though you still go, I'm a Christian. I don't know how many times I've said, I don't think that a Christian should ever have to say, I'm a Christian. It should be an obvious from what they choose, what they're doing, how they're living. I took a case of water back. Well, I didn't take the case of water back. I took my pocket knife out and cut the, 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 the barcodes off of it. Back into Walmart, I felt like an idiot. What are you doing back in here? You forgot to ring up my water. No, I'm not self-righteous. I'm stupid, really, because nobody cares about this case of water but me. Because I went to pick it up, and I said, they didn't ring up my water. And I'm like, you can just drive home. I'm like, no, you can't just drive home because you know that water you didn't pay for. Now, I'm just telling you, I had told 10 cases before or all your cases or every bit of your car, truck, and your anything I can get my hands on. But I thought, I feel like a total idiot. What are you doing back in here? Well, um, I remember I told you about that case of water. You forgot to bring it up. Well, where's it at? I said, I didn't bring it back because I ain't stupid. I just brought the label back. Can you just ring this up for me and I'll pay for it? But I felt weird because everybody else is looking at me like, are you weird or something? Why don't you just go home? But it gave me opportunity to talk about Jesus. Give me opportunity to share about Christ and my testimony. 
it just, it just, I, mean, I, I don't even know why we're there, but listen to me. Every day we should be growing and going. And the enemy's got us living in shame and guilt and dying. Instead of longing to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I find great rest and peace knowing what's going on on the planet. Five years ago, I was up in arms. I believe where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. I believe that just because evil is going nuts, well, God's opening up the word of God even more today than he's ever revealed it before. If you'll just draw near and say, Lord, what is going on? You do not have to worry. You're not building on sand if you're building on the rock. The winds and the storms are coming, and it's those that are building on sand that are going to be in trouble, not those building on Jesus Christ, not those that are searching for the narrow way, not those that are looking and saying, I got an ear. Hey, here I am. I got an ear. I got an ear. I want to hear what you're saying, Lord. I want to hear. Do you want to hear what God is saying? Because he's counseling us. He wants to talk to us. I'm looking for one of my... Ezekiel chapter 12. You just read this if you're reading through the Bible with us. Ezekiel chapter 12. I was looking to teach this and read right across this. And look what he's saying uh, uh, when he's saying my title in my Bible, which I don't look at them very often, but it says punishment is certain. They're going to go into captivity. They're going to Babylon. And 12.1 says this. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, now this is Ezekiel, because remember Hebrews 1.1, in past times, in different manners, God spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, he speaks through his son. Oh, nope, it's not speaks, it's spoken. He's already said everything. Past tense, he has spoken through his son, who he made heir of all things. And Jesus said, hey, if you listen to my voice, you can be betrothed to me, and I give you the inheritance with me. You can share the inheritance with me. Listen, this is what the prophet Ezekiel said. Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house which has eyes to see, but does not see, and has ears to hear, but does not hear, for they are a rebellious house. This is what God said to the nation, Judah, the southern tribes, where the Messiah was going to come from. And they said, wait a minute. We have the oracles of God. We have everything. We're God's people. The church says that again but they're a rebellious house. And nobody wants to say this, but the church is a rebellious house, just like the nation of Israel became, a rebellious, haughty house that killed their own Messiah because they didn't want to give up any of their power. They were blind, naked, wretched, and miserable, and he stood in their face and told them, and he, the Lord, is the Spirit, that God himself walked in their midst and told them, and they said, we've never been in bondage to anyone. In fact, go read John 8 again, and you'll see the voice they're listening to. You listen to your father, the devil. And that's a rebellious house. 
when we're listening to the world, when we're following the world, when we're entangled in the world, when we get our marching orders from the world, when we do and respond to the nightly news the way the world does, then we are a rebellious house that's not listening to the voice of God. We have ears, but we are not listening with the intent to obey and to tell others what God wants to say. Now listen, Ecclesiastes 5.1, and I'll just tie one more verse together. Because the preacher tells us, Ecclesiastes 5.1, Walk prudently when you go into the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give a sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. What? You want to draw near to hear what God is saying and then obey it. You have a heart to obey. Oh, Lord, I want to obey it, but I, I mean, Lord, that's awful hard. Can you teach me how to obey it? Can you give me a desire to obey it? But we want to live, and when we come in, to be prudent and to be diligent in the house of God. We've been married back into his house with betrothed. Because the marriage hasn't been consummated yet. I should be careful with that. And so we think we're okay sometimes. And we have need of nothing. But we always have to remember where our inheritance comes from. We have to remember who saved us. We can't just, I'm saved now, I can do anything I want. Listen. I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. You need to hold on tight to your Savior. You need to hold on tight to him who died for you. You need to hold on tight to his 66 books by 40 authors that give you the instruction of how to walk humbly with your God and not to bring the sacrifice of fools into the house of God. What does that mean? Well, the fool has said in his heart, no God. We have that testimony twice. The fool has said no to God. But we come to hear, and when we hear, we want to obey. Can we do it perfectly? No, but we're being perfected by the Spirit of God as we walk by faith. And yet so many, they say, ah, I feel good because I went to church this week. Listen, you are the church. Don't come to the house of God walking in disrespect and not circumspectly and come and then hear and then go away and do nothing about it because you're deceiving yourself and you become a rebellious house instead of a house that's a faithful house. We're looking to be perfected. We want to become the faithful church that has an open door before us that wherever you go, you can speak the oracles of God, the word of God. You can tell people how they can be set free. You can look right at them and speak truth. And no matter what's going on in their life, I've never met them in my any day ever. You can speak truth to them that will change their eternity. It amazes me sometimes that God would use somebody like me to just go wherever I go and know that that is a holy appointment. They're designed for me to speak what God is showing me. I don't have, I'm not the one that has to make sure it's true. He is true. So what are you putting your ears to? Listen, I'm not trying to be 
proud or haughty or or shame anybody. I watch TV. I watch 1948 Westerns. I watch some silly stuff. I sit on my couch and go, I should get up and do something. I'm like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm just enjoying this moment of rest right now. And I'm just as rebellious as anybody else. But I'm telling you right now, the Spirit wants you to have an ear to hear with an intent to obey what God is saying to the church. And the church is called out so we would be called out to be different and not live entangled in the world doing everything that they're doing. And I'm not talking about going out and resisting. I'm not talking about going out and being mean. I'm not talking about going out and just yelling about Jesus. Talk about having a relationship with the God of the universe, which is why he died, so we could walk with him daily. We could be in the word, prayer, and fellowship. He would teach us. He would reveal, uncover who he is, and rewards would flow with that. And when we hear his counsel, that's the next line, and we'll get this done. Verse 18, 318, I counsel you. Why? Because I'm the wonderful counselor. I'm the mighty God. I have the instruction. Listen, he knows what we need to buy from me. What will a man give in exchange for his own soul? Gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness your disgrace the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed listen because everything's going to come to light one day everything isn't it funny how that word would be there when we're talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ and he's saying, I want you to look like me. I want you to be like me. I want you to come to me. I want you to get from me. And I want you to look just like my bride. And then none of the other things will be revealed because it's all going to be done away with. It's going to be burnt up. That's not who you are. That's the old nature. That's not the new creation. And anoint your eyes with eye salve. Why? That you may see. Now we're talking about seeing and hearing. Well, that's what he talked about with the rebellious house of Judah. Their very name meant praise. He shall be praised. And they, and, 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 and they seen what he had done. They shared verbally the, 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 the testimony of God in the wilderness and what he had done and how he brought them out of Egypt. They would share these testimonies. This is where I get so much encouragement from. It's sharing the word of God. It's the faithfulness of God. It's the testimony of God. It's who he is on the planet. I don't have to fight anybody else. Now, I know when I was a younger Christian, I would, I would stand right up with you and argue. I don't need to argue anymore. The Lord's bond person is not quarrelsome. You grow up. Remember your little kid? You're just learning to crawl. You're on milk. And you're arguing with you. You're, you're uh, uh, arguing with your your siblings because you're kids. As you get older, you don't need to argue. You learn that. You just go quiet. But pride keeps you arguing with other adults. I don't need to argue with other adults. I'd like to sometimes, especially when they're foolish, especially when they don't know God, especially when they think they got it going on and they don't know that they're blind, naked, miserable, and wretched. You know, that's what God says. But he says, no, I love you. 
I love you. I'm just going to give you a little counsel. If you got an ear, hear what the Spirit would say to the churches. That's really the counsel. There's nothing else. We've got 66 books, 40 authors. Every bit of it is about listen to my voice, not the voice of the world. Listen to my voice, not the lie of the devil. Listen to my voice. If you come back to my house and you believe you've got salvation, then you should desire to hear my voice because the spirit of the Antichrist is out there shouting. The spirit of the Antichrist is out there telling everybody what to do and to be afraid and to be, and to be, and to be, you know, and all you have to do is get along with God. I know silence can be crazy sometimes. I live in an empty house. Silence. I don't even like to go to bed at night anymore. Seriously. I'm just telling you. So, and nothing. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm working it out, me and God. Silence is deafening. We're working it out. Listen, verse 19, as many as I love. Do you believe God loves you? Do you believe God died for you? I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, so it's okay to be rebuked. He doesn't rebuke those he doesn't love. He doesn't chasten those he doesn't love. Go read Hebrews chapter 12. It's good for you. Therefore, be zealous and repent. See, always, always repent. It's a series. I mean, we come to him repent, and all of our life we need to be repentant. If you're not in a, in a steady habit of repenting, in other words, being corrected by the word of God, being corrected by the spirit of God, and that's being washed and cleansed, is repentance, changing my mind. Oh, I thought I was doing good. Change your mind. That's your works. That's your occupation. That's what you want to do. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, though, but now I'm going to go, like, on this mission trip, and I'm going to go on that trip, and I'm going to go on this thing, and we're going to take Jesus with us everywhere. Change your mind. Jesus is already everywhere. Change your mind how you think about what's going on in the spiritual realm. He's still saying repent. Yeah, but I'm good. I already said a prayer. Uh, I'm good. I'm an American. I'm in a church every week. I got a Bible. I got a good job. I don't have want for nothing. I don't have need for nothing. Oh, I'm rich. I have become wealthy. I don't have need of nothing. Are you sure about what you know? Because God is still speaking every single day. And God is leading us into holy moments where we can share Jesus with people. God has called us out to be witnesses to people who are dying and going to hell. I'm just cheerleading myself, so you guys can hang out with me for a minute. So we need to be zealous and repent. What? You want me to change more? I already stopped drinking and hanging out with the people who do. You want me to keep changing? Yeah, we ain't perfect yet. We ain't like Christ yet. I know, because I got mad today. <laughs> and it wasn't good. Oh, and so he says in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hear my voice, why? Because he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Now, if you've heard, 
Now you're now you no longer have to worry about having a desire to hear. Now, just hear because you're his bride. He's knocking. Listen to what I'm saying. The door of your heart. Repent. Listen, you're trying to do this on your own. I'm knocking. Hear my voice. Hear what I'm saying to the true church that's come out of the world. The called out ones. He didn't say, hear the rap of my knuckles. I always have to make sure I say that. He says, and here's my phoneo, my phone, and opens the door. I will come into him and dine with him. They're going to have a fellowship meal, and he with me. There's going to be intimate fellowship to him who overcomes, Nakeo, get the victory. Look what he says. Here's Because I was telling you that every time when you listen to the council, there's a reward in listening to the council. Well, this one, this one here, I will grant to set on my throne as I overcame, as I got the victory on the cross. How do you know I got the victory on the cross? Because you rose from the dead. And have sat down with my father on his throne. There's only one throne in heaven. And he sat down on it, right? And then if you go look at, what is it, Ephesians? The book of Ephesians? Let's just go look. Uh, I'm going to have to go there and find it to tell you because it's in chapter 2, verse 6. Ephesians, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, chapter 2, chapter 2, oh yes, chapter 2. Let's just read verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy. Man, that means he's a rich man. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Isn't that amazing? That's where our position already is. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then you have your new beginning of verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we should walk in them. What are you occupied with today? God's work or your work? Where are you walking at today? Are you being led by the Spirit of God? Or by your own desires? By the world pulling you around? Are you still in bondage or have you been set free? Did you hear him knock? He's wanting just to open the door and continue repenting. Continue saying, Lord, reprove me. Correct me. Chasten me. I want to be in your house. I don't want to listen to the other voice. I don't want to listen to my voice. I don't want to, to uh, what you say in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, not part of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your, don't have a cane of your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, you got a calculator, figure it out. All your ways, acknowledge him. Come to know him. What do you believe about this? What is your knowledge of this? What wisdom do you have in this? What are you saying about this? 
Listen, don't lean on your own understanding. Your understanding is always going to make you land in a ditch. We don't have any understanding. If you overcome, we get to set down. That's, that's the promise of the church. That's where we're seated positionally now. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Did I ever go through any of that? Did you guys ever see any of that? He is a definite article. Indicates a specific person, place, or thing. Specific noun. Anyone. It's a whomsoever. Half an ear. You know what that word is? Echo. It's the word for possession. Do you possess an ear? Who are you listening to with your ears? Are you listening to the voices of this world, the lying spirit of Antichrist, or are you listening to the spirit? You have a choice. You have a free will in this. He who has an ear, uh, physically, mentally, and spiritually, let him give audience, understand, yield to, uh-oh, learn from, yield to obedience to the voice of God. Again, Anyone who has an ear, let him hear with the intent to obey. Here it is again, definite article. What the Spirit. Not any Spirit. The Spirit of God. The Spirit says to the church. See, because you can listen to other spirits, and it's not the definite article. The Word of God. The Spirit of God. The plan of God. The salvation of God. The position given to us by God. There's things that it's his, it's his salvation. He has a specific way that he wants us to live. The church, the ecclesia, it's a calling out. Are you coming out? Listen. The church is called out of the world. What happened to you? Well, you remember, you, know, you can watch it in Moses and Aaron. Let my people go. Moses, why did you even come down here? We're working harder. Why did you even try to let us go? We didn't just stay here. They were in the wilderness. They said, let's go back to Egypt. At least we had garlics and leeks and onions. At least we were eating good. See, it's no different, but they didn't mix faith with what God was doing. He was leading them somewhere else. He was giving them a hope in the future. He was giving them a promised land. And they would not even go take it. They wouldn't get out of the boat. They wouldn't step out. Are you coming out? I know sometimes it's hard to come out. Do you have an ear? Are you asking the Holy Spirit what He's saying to you? Everything. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just like that. I, I, I've learned that everything going on is under the God's hand. He knows what's going on. I belong to Him. He bought me with the precious blood, and there's nothing happening in my life that He didn't know was going to happen, and, and He's used me for a specific purpose. And what the devil means for bad, He uses for good. If I won't, see, if you, you have something bad happen and you listen to the world, oh, it's a bad thing. You listen to God and he goes, but listen, I'm moving this way with you. Now you can look over here. I'm doing this. We want the eternal perspective. 
my buddy sent me this verse. Second Corinthians. We'll close with this. Second Corinthians four. He was encouraging me. We've been here a bunch in four and five. Four seventeen for our light affliction. You know, there's some affliction. It seems like it's real heavy. Yeah, because you're carrying them. Give it to God. Which is but for a moment. Man, this has been going on. What do you mean for a moment? Listen, he's going to give it more. He's going to give it more. Is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You seeing that? Now he uses that word again. Weight. It was light affliction. Weight. Where's the weight at? It's in eternal glory. That's what really holds the most weight. We're temporal. We're physical. We're fleshly. We're putting it go, oh, it's weighing me down. This is going to kill me. This affliction. This is really heavy. It's not for a moment. It's going to be forever. No, eternity is forever. And it is weighty. And the devil wants us to follow him to hell. And all we're trying to do is get out of this stuff that we think is heavy. And God's already taken every bit of it. He died and took every bit of it. And he says, don't panic. I got you. You're in the boat. If I tell you to step out of the boat, you'll be able to walk on it, even when it hurts. I just think it's funny the words that are used there. Because the real weight, the real weight in everybody's life is where are you going to spend eternity? And it's a free gift. The greatest gift ever given. And most people say they have it, and yet they still carry the weight of the world, their shame, their guilt, everything around with them, and they stay in bondage because of the lies of the enemy that they're listening to. Instead of getting alone with the Father and letting the Spirit speak and then taking those spiritual ears and going, this is my truth. This is my truth. Not what you're saying, devil. What is your identity in Christ? You've been set free. You have a hope in the future. It's the anchor of your soul. You have a God that loves you so much that he came and died for us. Who does that? Scarcely will anybody die. For their friends, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. A perfect man. I'm blown away by that. I don't know about you, but that's the simple truths that keep me going every day, even when I fall short, even when I blow it, even when I think I got this, I'll carry this. You can't carry nothing. Next week. Acts 2.42. You know, the first, the first rebuke was, is you got some good things, but you've forgotten your first love. That's the first church. The first thing with every person is you've forgotten your first love. If you're not understanding your identities, you've got to go back and do the first works over and get in the word prayer fellowship and take communion and remember that it's Christ who adds to the numbers. He's the one building his church. And do the natural, and he'll do the supernatural. Just return to your first love. 
fall in love with God all over again and understand that he has given the greatest gift ever given. Open the package. Enjoy. Comes with batteries. Comes with power. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. We pray that we would be those with ears and we would hear what your spirit says to the called out ones. And we would live called out lives, Lord, with their frailties, but that you would correct them and make them better and clean them up and continue to counsel and reprove and correct us and chastise us every day, Lord, because we want to have parents that would correct us and not just let us run, 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 run. Thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you that you're coming to take the chosen home soon and very soon. We give you praise, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.